recording with my friend, Dr. Bill Burns, technically, or Will Burns, technically, and uh, today is Wednesday, July 26th, 2023, and I was just telling him, uh, man, I, I thought I slept through an alarm, then I realized my phone was dead, and the alarm had gone off, and had I not gotten up to use the restroom, I'd still be snoring right now, and you would be sitting here impatiently reevaluating our, our relationship, and, um, but, so, the the thumbnail I posted, I always do the little pre-post the night before, was going to be about AI in the Tower of Babel, and that's what the original uh, plan was going to be. But there is a new house report that is topical. Uh, I believe it was this morning, probably while I was snoring. And so if anybody was tuning in to hear the Tower of Babel AI talk, that will probably be the next episode. Or if we get to it today, it will be today's episode. But um, I just have to do that because I do the shows live now, whereas mm -hmm. up until up until 2023, they weren't live. And so I just made the thumbnail after. And so it was always on topic. But now it's a uh, it's kind of a it's a vague field of probability where I'm like, I think we're talking about this. And I make a thumbnail and sometimes the thumbnail is not related to the show at all. But your book, UFOs in the White House, is in the description. It is on Audible. Anyone know anyone that listens to the show knows I'm a UFO nut. I've listened to just about all of them. I've interviewed a lot of them too. Uh, Nick Pope, Dr. Lynn Katai. I've interviewed people surrounding these things. I love them. Your book is easily top three for me in terms of its credibility. And uh, with that, I will stop babbling. And Dr. Burns, for anyone that hasn't listened to you before, could you maybe introduce yourself and then we can jump into the house report? Sure thing. I am uh, Bill Burns. I am um, a New York Times bestselling author, professor of English, um, an attorney and a PhD, and I am a writer producer with the History Channel. Beautiful. And so what all was, is the House report that I guess came I, out today? It was fascinating for a couple of reasons. Okay. Here are the reasons. One, it was completely bipartisan. So it's as if with everything dividing this country, right? Are you this? Are you that? Are you in favor of this? Are you against it? Whatever. For all the things that divide this country, <clears throat> the trial balloons, so to speak, that were partisan were quickly dismissed. And what remained was a true fact-finding session. I mean, asking the right questions of the people who said they were there at the right times. And stuff that was classified was put off for um, a hearing in a skiff room, in a secure room. But, I mean, the fascinating thing, A, is it was completely bipartisan. Okay. There was nobody was sniping, nobody was fighting. All right. Well, that, that alone is interesting. That alone should get people's ears to break up. Two. It's as if everybody in that room had complete amnesia over everything that happened before 2015. So for the complete, it's not just the, the multi-thousand year history of UFO encounters on this planet, but it's literally from World War II to the present, the modern history of ufology and the involvement of presidents like Eisenhower and Nixon and Kennedy and Reagan. Read amnesia. 
And you just have to wonder, is that complete amnesia deliberate or is it unless these guys are military coming up right now doesn't exist? Hmm. What did I what did I see? I saw a headline the other day and it was I believe it was congressmen and women saying they came out of a meeting saying something like the the UFOs could turn the earth to a piece of charcoal if they wanted to. Well, see, that's the whole point about this about this hearing. Okay. The worry was is are they a threat to national security? <clears throat> That's the obvious question. Are they a threat to national security? Sure. But I mean, doesn't logic dictate that if they're a threat to national security in 2023, wouldn't they have been a threat to national security in 2017 when those pilots saw them coming out of the Pacific? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't they have been a threat to national security in 1997 when they were over Phoenix? Or in 1947, at the very end of a war, right near the Trinity test site, the top classified facility in the United States, there were UFOs. Yeah, where the only nuclear bomber wing was stationed. That's it. The first strategic air command base, first air force base, strategic air command, that was there, and that's what UFOs were surveilling. And the fascinating thing is when you talk to, that's the other thing that bothered me about this hearing. Not one person in the hearing was a live witness. Why? If these are witnesses, why not bring in real live witnesses? For example, Nancy Mace, Representative Mace from, I think it's Carolina, I'm not sure, North Carolina. She brought up the Phoenix Lights, one of the few references to a pre-2015 case. None of the witnesses were able to talk about it. None of the witnesses. Yet, yet, we have video of those lights we have not only do we have video of an eyewitness to those lights on those nights but that same person dr lin kitai who uh, wrote a book mm-hmm. why aren't they referencing the book but she also took videos of an earlier appearance yep. of those lights in january and realized after basically photo research by Dr. Bruce Maccabee that she was watching them all night long and didn't realize it. Missing time. Yeah. Not one of these cases. Even though she referred to them, she didn't bring it up. Why? And I've interviewed her about her experiences. Precisely that. So that's what always gets me. Is if I can contact... I interviewed her in 2020 no 2021 Mm -hmm. two and a half years of podcast growth later meaning that the show is so much smaller had such a smaller list of reputable guests that i was i think i was still living with my parents when i interviewed her 
Then the other question is this. Talk about famous witnesses. Yeah. The person who flew into Sky Harbor Airport, and he's looking at the lights. He's flying a private plane, and he's looking at the lights ahead of him as he's flying into Sky Harbor. It's Kurt Russell from Story Day. <laughs> yeah. And the fascinating thing was it was no big deal to him. What are these lights? I don't know. Oh, yeah, I remember that now. Yet they're UFOs. So what was, what was the gist of, of, the, of the entire report? What was the, what the was gist any gut is, punch moment? Here's the gist of it. We, let's, from the witness perspective, we are live witnesses to the history of how our government deals with um, these anomalies. So you have somebody who is from intelligence, an intelligence officer. <clears throat> you have one of the Navy pilots who was out, a Captain Ferber, who was out over the South Pacific, who actually could detail the flight characteristics of what he saw. And then you have another person from intelligence services. So the point of all this is we think that based on what we've seen with our plain eyes and what is there in plain view, it's not just deep, you know, SAP special access procedures intelligence. It's what they, it's what's there. That we think the government, without revealing sources and methods, can be more transparent about what they are. Then the committee began to dig deeper. And one of the things they were exploring was, okay, fine. We get that you know as intelligence officers <clears throat> that the government knows more than it's saying. We get that. But the key questions were, have you ever seen, I disagree with the term non-human, but have you ever seen an alien or a non-human life form? And this person, this intelligence officer said yes. And said yes, he's spoken to people who have seen non-human life forms. And that was said today. And that was said today. So that in itself is groundbreaking. <laughs> right? Sorry, keep going. No, I'm just, that's all right. So, so that for the first time in a congressional hearing, in a, in a House hearing, it's not the first time because in 1966, Gerald Ford conducted But the first time in, in, in recent history, post 1970, that someone has testified under oath in an open, unclassified hearing that that person has seen and spoken to people who have seen non 
human life forms. That's insane. Yeah, that's a first. That's wild. Because it seems like they've kind of been priming the public consciousness for UFOs since, since Who's like doing the priming. Well, of course, it's it's national security apparatus, perhaps. It's why or, them? Why them? I don't. Know. Hold on, just 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 put a pin in that for a second. Whoever's doing it, they've been priming. They've been priming us since then. They've been, you know, the the Tic Tac, you know, Commander Fravor going on Joe Rogan, Lex Friedman, all this stuff. 2020, they first start having those right in the middle of the pandemics and the riots was was the headline. The uh, United States government has recovered yes, material. But before all this happened, okay. Ronald Reagan got up before the United Nations and said, "Oh yeah, if, if it, alien presence were attacking this planet, wouldn't our borders disappear?" And Ronald Reagan, we know, was not only briefed after he entered the White House, but when he was the host of Death Valley Days, when he was still on television, he had a UFO sighting over the Pacific Coast Highway on his way to a party at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel for actor William Holden. And when he had that sighting, he told Lucille Ball, I love Lucy, he told Lucille Ball, they told me to leave politics. He left politics. He was the president of SAG, he ran for governor, he won, he ran for president, he won, got up in front of the United Nations and said, what if? Yeah, it's, <clears throat> I guess the, the sort of pattern I'm, I'm, that's, that's, that's spiking for me is just in general, last five, six right. years. And look, no one, no one, even after he was governor, Remember the story of his UFO sighting in the plane? He's flying from mm -hmm. L.A. to Sacramento, right? And he's flying over the Central Coast. And he sees a UFO out the window. And he tells his pilot, he literally tells his pilot, follow that UFO. The, 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 the pilot in the governor's place, the official governor of California's plane, he follows that pilot out, he follows that UFO over the Mojave Desert, where it just shoots off. Reagan is so excited that he lands and tells, what's the guy's name, Walter, what's his face, from the Wall Street Journal, forget his last name, that he's going to tell Nancy he's so excited. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it seems like they're, they're just kind of turning up the temperature on the boiling of the frog of, now, like no, no one freaks out now when we see like a New York Times or CNN article about possible UFOs, right? Just for the last three years of priming the the public, just forget everything before twenty twenty. Let's just look at this little zoomed in box. No one freaks out. It's just like, yeah, well, they've been so you know, OSAP, ATIP. Of course, they're research, blah blah blah. This seems like the next temperature switch. As they go at, you're saying today they go seeing an actual life form. This is the next bring it up a notch. And it, they'll maybe keep it there for a year or two. And then no one okay. will freak out when you see a Reddit article that's like, life forms will be like, yeah, they talked about that in 2023. It seems just like a slow 
boiling. Of, I just have this theory. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just have this theory that when we talk about disclosure and release of information, that it is absolutely not up to us. It's not. I know. Yeah, it's, you and I have talked about that. We're on the same page. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's up to them. Yeah. And no, I they're forcing that, the hand. And I think that's part, whatever that, where my glasses are. I think <laughs> that what's happening is, that what's happening is, very gradually, enough information is seeping out like water tipping out of a glass, seeping out so that the public consciousness can accept the breadth of what that presence is not only that presence on this planet but our presence on this planet yeah it seems and our future on this planet yeah it seems like a a, a gradual you know reading in of of our real reality i don't think that i don't think that the reason i think that there are groups of them well, first of all, I was told that flat out. Yeah. When we, when we did UFO Hunters, I was told absolutely flat out. Yeah. I don't know if they told me or if a person who knows flat out. I was told, one, they're us. Two, we're a colony. Three, they are here in positions of power, hidden like Isaac Asimov's foundation mm -hmm. is. And very gradually, information seeps out. And I believe in one of the episodes of UFO Hunters, when we talked about the, the crash in the Kayami Desert in Mexico, that we were contacted by that group. Because what they did, they told us a story. It was through a text message. It was called the, I'll tell you the name of the group. It's called the Deneb, D-E-N-E-B group, like the Deneb constellation. Okay. I don't think that's an accident. All right. And they told us exactly what happened, that a private plane from the United States flying over Mexican territory was was impacted by a, a small UFO. Exploded all over the Kayami Desert, about 40 miles from the Texas border. Mexican or Mexican radar picked it up, obviously. Army unit went out there to retrieve whatever they had to retrieve. They packed up the UFO and they tried to bring it back to whatever headquarters they were bringing it back to, and they all died. Right on the road. Now, the United States surveils that border like this, okay? That's how heavily we surveil that border. A fly can't cross that border, but that we don't know. So, United States Army unit jumps across the border. Doesn't even bother to contact them. Who cares? They pack up the UFO. 
pack up the soldiers. The dead soldiers. Bury the, bury the plane in the desert. In a mine, which they dig a mine. They cover it up. They get bring it back to the United States. The Deneb group writes up the whole story. But they also do this. They also give us the exact latitude, longitude, satellite coordinates of that crash and that burial. We go out into the Kayami Desert, and believe me, under Mexican guard with machine guns, mm-hmm. we go out into the Kayami Desert at those exact coordinates, there's the mine. We dig the mine. It's a mine. There are timbers. It's a mine shaft. We go in the mine. What do we pull out? The parts of the plane. Mm. And U.S. Army gasoline cans. There you go. So it's legit as legit can be. As legit as legit it can be. So where are they housing the living beings? Well, we know one thing. One of the, um, to find a copy of those magazines, uh, one of the most important pilots coming out of World War II, fighter pilots, was a Marine Lieutenant Colonel called Marion Magruder. He had, in fact, he was so important. He was one of the few uh, unit commanders, squadron commanders that, that had his own patch. Hmm. Magruder's Marauders, Black Max Magruder. And here's the story. Magruder was vitally important because he was the one who was trained in radar vector fighting. Radar vector night fighting, trained at the RAF. He brought that fighter back to his own squadron to train them. Where was the most important engagement? The Battle of Okinawa. At the Battle of Okinawa, Japanese Air Force, they knew that once we established an airfield on Okinawa, we could bomb Japan. Mm-hmm. So they threw everything they had into that fight kamikaze pilots to destroy our aircraft carriers no aircraft carriers no bombers what black max magruders did was they had radar they were able to intercept the kamikazes that's how we won the battle of okinawa now it's 1948 now like all the other great world war ii flight commanders He's at the National Air War College. The services have now split. He's now at the National Air War College. They take a break. The National Air War College, at the National Military Colleges, not the cadet colleges, but the National Military Colleges, they're training officers about to enter senior rank to enter into policy-making positions. So it's how you train your general staff, yes. trained by general staff. So. He's being trained. Then they're given a, a, a TDY to Wright Field. It's not yet Wright Patterson. To Wright Field. There at Wright Field, he sees 
the whole class sees this. The fragments from the Roswell crash, and they see the live alien. So, I mean, these are things that are in public information. So you don't need to go into a skiff to find this out. This is public, a Marine, at this point he was a colonel, who was writing a dissertation on how to deal with these UFOs. And the year is 1948. So they already know this. So big picture would be, why is it being, why are we being primed up for it? And as you say, it, it's not us doing the disclosure. They're, they're forcing I, us to I, do the disclosure. I really think that although some of these witnesses and congressional representatives are acting in good faith, pull back a little bit. I think they're acting, I think it's an algorithm. They have to do this. It's an algorithm triggered by them. They have to do this because of what's already out in the public. So once you get the public engaged, the government has to respond. That's all that you're seeing. Mm. And drip by drip, bit by bit, I mean, the idea that um, members of the United States, either intelligence services or military or defense contractors or those with secret clearance, top secret clearance, have actually seen non-human life forms. I believe they are human, but they're calling them non-human life forms. Is an amazing revelation. It's insane. in front of Congress. But in 1966, at the urging of then-majority leader, Gerald Ford, the House, a, a House subcommittee had hearings. So this is not the first set of hearings the House has ever had. They had hearings back in 1966 after the Hilldale, Michigan cases. Remember, that was the famous swamp gas case. Mm -hmm. But the point was, here, talk about your conspiracy theories. Gerald Ford, Hillsdale, Michigan is Gerald Ford's district. He was so exercised about this that he demanded hearings when he was majority leader. Then what happened within the first six months of his presidency? What happened? Remind me. Two members of the Manson gang, Squeaky Fromm and I forget the other one, tried to assassinate Jerry Ford. Wow. So we asked Charles Manson back in the 1980s. We did a book in which he was in called Serial Killers. Um, we asked him, why? Why did two members every day? He said, I was working for the CIA. So that's that, what he said. Gotcha. So kill the president that's getting close. Was, and 
back to JFK and Marilyn Monroe. That's all, that's also right. That was that was UFO revelation. Absolutely. I, I mean, when you consider when you consider um, how what was it that prompted that drove JFK? Because remember, JFK was the only president who said we have to get to the moon by the end of the decade. Yeah. Let's talk about it. JFK did. What was it that drove him so crazy? <clears throat> what could it have been? Could it have been the cover <coughs> of Look Magazine in 1962? Hmm. Who was on that cover? Betty and Barney Hill. Yeah. Yeah. The first public abductees in an interracial marriage yeah. at a time when interracial marriages were not yet constitutional in the United States. Kennedy read that. Yeah. What did Kennedy see from his own Pentagon? His head of the Foreign Technology Division investigating debris from the crash at Roswell and working with Strom Thurmond in the Senate to filter that technology into American, into American corporations. Contractors. So when you see these guys talking about, oh, we have defense contractors have it, we had this 80 years ago. So all that's happening now is is the public's just being brought in. None of this right. is, is, is necessarily new. And then the question that arises, why are we being brought in? And I'm with you. I think our hand is being forced. Yeah, it's being forced. I mean, the fact is, what a government is, I mean, you really have to go back to foundational questions. Mm -hmm. What a government is, it's only a hierarchical administrative organization. It is a primate pack. Yeah. Human beings are primates. Human beings organize themselves into pack structures. Pack structures can be anything. For governments, pack structures are deep states. They're the administrations. Mm -hmm. That's a pack structure. Yeah. There's nothing magic about it. There's, there's nothing supernatural about it. It's an administrative hierarchy. That's what human beings do. What do administrative hierarchies do best? Consolidate power. Protect themselves. Yeah. They're self-protecting. Yeah. They protect their own power and their own status. So therefore, why would a government voluntarily release information it doesn't have to. Why rock the boat? Every bit of UFO information, every bit of financial administration, every bit of this information rocks the boat. All administrative governments want you to do, get up in the morning, take your medication, eat your breakfast, go to work to earn money so you can pay taxes, Keep your kids in school to keep the employment mechanism working. Come home, watch television, which is what they tell you to, the messages they deliver to you, and go to bed. That's it. Hmm. 
Anybody, anything that rocks that causes change. Change is the enemy of administrative structures. Hmm. I mean, this is the sociology of government. Yeah. And UFOs don't just rock the boat, they do far more. And you may say, why, what is the urgency now? I didn't see this in the 1950s. In the 1950s, you had the Integraton, you had the, the Stranger at the Pentagon, you had Jackie Gleason, you had um, Eisenhower telling Nixon to have this guy go from Venus. Go, why now? Yeah. Well, on the one hand, among other things, if you look at what's happening to the planet, and you know, we could blame ourselves, but what those who planted us here and who probably still live here realize that it's technology itself. This is when we get to the Tower of Babel stuff. Mm -hmm. It's technology itself that is self-destructive. Mm. I mean, when you consider when you consider this, three things are coming together. Macro things. Three things. I have to be on TV at three, so I'm just letting you know. Yeah, you're good. Um, three things are coming together. The planet is not only flooding, it's burning up. We know that. This is not, you know, we can argue the cause, but that's what's happening. Basement apartments in Brooklyn, New York, and Manhattan don't flood from rain. Just, oh, it's raining. It's not rain. The Montpelier, Vermont, when floodwaters come rushing down the street carrying cars and people, when floods right here only five miles away from me carry away a whole family, that's climate change. Yeah. That's what's happening on this side. Two, the extent of human population, not just in the United States or in Africa or in China, around the world, the extent of human population has pushed civilization into areas that are inhospitable. And because they're Florida Shore, and because they're inhospitable, we come in contact with the residents of those areas. Hmm. Viruses, bacteria carried by mosquitoes, all kinds of things. Human beings don't have the resistance to them. So what happens? We get pandemics. Until we build the resistance as a herd, we are a herd, until we build the resistance as a herd to that virus, but more of us die. So virus is like a gleaner. It gleans the human race. Who's it gleaning? The healthiest among us? No, the mm. least healthy among us. That's the other thing that's happening to this planet. 
And the third thing is, wait for it, because of the heat on this planet, the heat of the oceans, did you hear what the temperature was off the Florida coast today? No. On the water temperature of Florida, 101 degrees. A hundred and one degrees of the ocean. Do you know what that means? That means hot water is floating north, melting the Unowats. Yeah. And the Unowats send their icebergs down. And so you get these crazy weather events. But worse, the heat rising off the oceans, not just the land, it's rising off the oceans. There's convection going on in the upper atmosphere. You can see that it gets cloudy in the afternoons from the Canadian, oh, we haven't even gotten to the wildfires yet. The um, convection is reaching the upper atmosphere. The topmost part of the atmosphere, this is not going to happen next week, but the topmost part of the atmosphere, top of the troposphere, all the way up there, past the ionosphere, is blowing off into space. Mm. In other words, chicken little, the sky is falling. Mm. Add to that, planets burning up. Look at the wildfires. Look at the wildfires in Canada. By 2 o'clock, by this afternoon, more, 4 o'clock, this will be cloudy. Why smoke in Canada? Hmm. Why don't they put the fires out, Bill? They can't. Putting the fires out requires more energy hmm. than the fires are consuming. Canada is burning up and the smoke is coming to us. That's what's happening to the planet. Why do you think these things are turning up now? Their colony has civilized to the point of creating a whole new epic, a geological epic, the Anthropocene. Mm. In this epic, before, <clears throat> what changed the climate? Ocean currents, atmospheric currents, an occasional meteor crash down, kill the dinosaurs. But in the Anthropocene, but in the Anthropocene, it's human civilization that's now affecting the planet. That's foundational. That means that things we do affect the survival of our species on this planet. Why do you think there's disclosure coming up from the bottom? That's the reason. We're just times we're destroying the we're destroying yeah, the apartment yeah. and the landlord showing up going, all right. Yeah. <laughs> what are that's you a, doing, man? That's a better analogy. That's a better analogy. Yeah, right. Normally the landlord's pretty hands off. You party, noise complaint here, they'll knock on the door. But now they're going door to door and they're going, something's leaking. That's destroying the drywall. You're destroying my business. Yeah. And you know what you just described? 
you just described how the founders of this country saw Christianity. They didn't see it as, they saw God as the watchmaker. Hmm. I mean, Benjamin Franklin, Madison, Washington, <coughs> Jefferson, you know what they thought? That God was the watchmaker who created the whole universe and let it go. Yeah. They were deists. Deists. That's really what we're talking about. A colony was planted on... How, how was the colony planted on this planet? When, did flying saucers come down? And no. Oumuamua. We've talked Oumu about Oumu that. and Borisov. Yeah. Oumuamua sprinkled. Yeah, yeah. The 360 degree. I, yeah, it, it makes sense because, right, what's the other big thing we talk about is them them always looking at nuclear sites. They're looking at your potential to destroy the planet. And that is still uh, one of the variables, but now there's the other one. And it's just the 8 billion people and we're just progressing so fast and using up so much, right? It's, it's we've had a wild if business growth. Were, so if you were, let's say that you are a super computer like you're beyond though yeah and the one thing you needed to do what you do is data right no data no computer nothing goes in nothing comes out where are you getting your data where? Where? What's the one place where people voluntarily disgorge their entire lives? Oh, social media. TikTok! Yeah. Can you spell TikTok? <laughs> yeah. People are worried about China. If I were you, I'd be worried about the computer. Yeah. I mean, you're building an artificially intelligent computer. Now tell that computer to correct the climate change, what's it going to do? Probably depopulate. <laughs> yeah, probably depopulate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the Bible, in the Bible, what preceded Noah's flood, which wiped out civilization, which, which probably did happen. It was a civilization before us. What wiped out? What was the event that wiped out that civilization? Tower of Babel. Mm -hmm. What's our Tower of Babel? AI. Yeah. We're, we're, it's the same thing. It's Icarus. We're flying too close to the sun. We're, we're, That's exactly what's happening. It's our desire to become like gods. Which poetically, I mean, and topically, Oppenheimer, right? I've become dead. But still, it's I'm... Or no, forget that one. What's the other, the lesser-known quote? Uh, we are tampering with forces heretofore reserved for the Almighty. I think that was Oppenheimer. Exactly. That's what they did. When, when Oppenheimer... Which is Garden of Eden. That, which when, is Garden of Eden. When Oppenheimer saw that bomb, when, when, when he saw what they did, and for that, the other uh, man was 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 um vilified his outcast life yeah lost lost his intel clearance wasn't allowed to know anything about the h-bomb and, and yet 
we can end with this. Yeah. The Nazis had the secret of the bomb before we did. Mm-hmm. Um, Leo Szilard. General, General Graves. Yep. Wesley Graves. Uh, Wesley Grubbs sent, um, sent uh, the catcher was a spy, Mo Berg, Morris Berg, to Switzerland because he heard that Heisenberg, who was one of the Nazis scientists developing the bomb, he heard that he was giving a talk about nuclear fission. So they had to sneak Mo Berg into Switzerland through Rome. Who sneaked him in? Philip Corso, who was the adjutant in Rome. That's how I know about the story. Sneaked him in. He had cyanide in the side of his mouth. If he determined that Heisenberg had the secret of nuclear fission, he pulls out his gun, kills Heisenberg, bites down because he was Jewish, he would go to a concentration camp. That was the plan. He determined that Heisenberg didn't have the secret. Corso got him out through Rome, got back to the United States. After the war, after the war, the the British captured all those German scientists. And they were in a room at at Oxford, or Oxford, not Cambridge. It's one, either Oxford or Cambridge. They were in a room. But British intelligence bugged the room. So they began talking. And here was the conversation. They said, Professor Heisenberg, Dr. Heisenberg, how come if you're so smart, you couldn't figure out the nuclear fission? Well, if you know the secret of nuclear fission, it's not in the size of the critical mass, it's in the size of the conventional explosions, the dynamite explosions, TNT, that drive the critical mass elements together to form the critical mass. If it's too great, it explodes in the plane. Yeah. If it's too great, it explodes too early. If it's not great enough, it lands and explodes, and it's a dirty bomb. Yeah. So the formula's got to be accurate. Heisenberg walks up to the blackboard and writes the formula on the blackboard. And the scientists scream, Dr. Heisenberg, Dr. Heisenberg, how come you didn't tell us we could have won the war? Because they had the V, uh, uh, the V-1 bomber, right? Look at the submarines that sunk in Long Island Sound, yeah. the, uh, the U-boats that sunk in the yeah. Delaware River that had the launch ribs on them. Yeah. He would have won the war. Yeah. Here's what Heisenberg says to the scientists. If you think that I would give Hitler that bomb, you're crazy. And that's how he won the war. <laughs> well, that was yeah. Leo, Leo Szilard came over here and yeah, wrote wrote uh, wrote FDR like several times and was yeah. like, he's like, there is a uranium bomb that they're gonna build. Exactly, and, they were building it. Yeah, and that that's what they did in 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 the Nazi Bell in in Poland, yeah, yeah. in Owl Mountains. They had these two rotating cylinders, yeah. and they were trying to enrich uranium. To have enough fissionable material for the bomb—that was the whole point of the uh, of the Nazi bell. Yeah, the Glocka. The Glocka. We were there in that cave. It was unbelievable. There are the machine gun nests that were yeah. guarding it. Yeah, yeah. 
and 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 when you go to the top of the mountain, there's the vent shaft going out of the mountain. Yeah. Fascinating. Um. For you, I obviously I can talk to you forever. I know you said you you gotta be on TV I have a TV at three. Show in a few minutes, yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll wrap this up. Um. And I'll send you an email and we'll schedule the next one. Dude, I always love talking to you. It, it it tickles my brain in just the right way. I always love talking to you. Um Yeah. It's it's it seems like that's what it is. The the landlord's angry at us for throwing apart we're the frat boys and we've destroyed yep. the apartment a we're little the frat too much. Boys and we got drunk and had a bull. We we had a and we've had a great time, but the landlord's walking in now and there's holes in the yeah, wall and, saying, and hey, there's hey. Yeah, you cut the windows, yeah. You y'all gotta cut. Y'all floor, gotta cut the. Sh- y'all gotta cut the shit out. You threw a. You threw a keg out of the tenth floor balcony. You know, and you're getting my other. This is my building, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're if getting that. Uh, we if you knew what we did in our fraternity house, this was the, this was the minor stuff. Okay. Oh yeah, no. I mean, no. And my fraternity house, we used to we used to put hockey helmets on, and we'd have a. Uh, We'd have wars with Roman candles. We we still we used to burn through did the walls. Guys, uh, did you guys do the elephant walk? No, we had to ban that. It was really awful. Yeah, no, no. We would we had, we would have duels with Roman candles. You 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 make the pledges stripped down, and you take scotch tape and you tape their noses to the ass of the pledge in front of them, and you make them walk like elephants. And if uh, the tape breaks, you make it get closer. Uh, there, we, we that. Uh, oh no! Oh, there's there's a much worse version of the elephant walk that I, that I, you shouldn't look up. But uh, no, we used to. Well, they eventually did kick our fraternity off campus and bulldoze the building. So you know, uh, that's that's the end goal. That's the end goal. If you don't clean up your game, they kick yeah, your fraternity off campus if, if and they bulldoze. Kicked off campus. Oh, you haven't done your job. Yeah, that's that's a good point. We lasted for. I'm I'm proud of that. <laughs> but Dr. Burns, let's wrap this one up. Guys, thank okay. you for watching. Please go in the description. Please thank go grab you, his sir. book. See you next time. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, guys. God bless. Thank Recording you for watching. Stopped. Take care, everybody. Peace.